Hey, happy Monday. Happy Monday. I don't know if that's an oxymoron or not, but we're going with happy Monday. Quite the weekend. Welcome into the Basement Doctor Studio. I'm John Cook, and alongside Garrett Seawright, we are Cookie and the Monster. Every Monday through Friday, 4 to 6, we talk sports as best as our feeble minds will allow us. And uh, Garrett, happy Monday. How was that weekend for you? Uh, you know, uh, I sat inside and pretended like it was winter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> couldn't be found. Couldn't be caught dead outside. There was a lot of... Do you, do you think we got time to edge the driveway this week? No, I do not. <laughs> no, I do not. In fact, you might not want to ask that question for the next 18 or 19 Saturdays. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And, and Right. And now, like, there's nothing... And I always I complain that Ohio State, like, their bye week is always, like, right smack dab in the middle of October. And it's the one Saturday of the year that everybody's like, if we're going to this damn pumpkin patch sometime in October, we're going this week. All right? I don't care that it's Indiana, that Ohio State's playing at noon. If we're going to this pumpkin patch, we're going apple picking, we're going whatever, your final yard work of the year, it is on October 16th. And so now I don't have to uh, – I might get shoved into it this Saturday since Ohio like, – I might be able to convince my wife that Ohio State plays on both Thursday and Saturday. Well, I, I wish might you the be, best of luck. I might be that. able to convince – like, I'm going over to my buddy's – going over to Marcus's house to watch uh, Ohio State on Saturday. Didn't they play on Thursday? No, if that was so – If your wife understands how it works, though, I mean – Clemson and Georgia is almost as big as Ohio State. Play. Oh yeah, it, it, you could. There are certainly games that you could turn into. Oh, honey, this is a big deal. Uh, Tulsa's playing Hawaii, and we, we got a, a big big time playoff implications there. We got to watch that, and she'd probably buy it. So you you had a, a a good weekend by most measures if you were in front of the TV. And yeah, there, were, there was a lot of 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 good. I, I, what what stands out to you from the weekend? Because as, as weekend observations go, I got a few, but I'm really curious to hear what yours are. Um. A lot of Bishop Sycamore talk. <laughs> I so if you are unaware, Bishop Sycamore is a fake high school from Columbus that uh, played IMG Academy. And I guess if you don't know who IMG Academy is, they are. Yeah, you probably aren't listening to us and not know who IMG <laughs> right. Academy is. Uh, IMG Academy is a place where the best football, basketball, baseball players in the country that are high schoolers or in their first year after high school they move to Bradenton, Florida, to play sports, which. You know, just a horrible little situation they've got there. Well, they they have like 15 of the top 300 players in the country for for college football recruits, and they played Bishop Sycamore Academy yesterday on ESPN, uh, which is a fake high school, does not exist. Um, there are kids between the ages of 17 and 20 on the roster, and they got beat uh, 58 to nothing, and it was the worst display of football I've ever seen. Well, as God is my witness, I watched a little bit of that game, turned away from it, and I'm I'm telling you the truth when I say this. I did some show prep yesterday. I, I squeezed in a little show prep during my lunch break today, and I am walking out of my building or pulling out of our, our campus as the, student, the last student is leaving. Students have been dismissed. I'm pulling off campus, and my phone beeps, buzzes, and I grab it, and I've got a Twitter notification that Zach Fleer... 270 Sports, Zach Fleer, uh, has been on the show before, been, been on our airwaves mm-hmm. before. It says, Zach Fleer is speaking now. So I click the thing, I just touch on the screen, and I go to Twitter, and there is a live press conference going on, and Zach Fleer is in the middle of asking questions of one of the coaches of Sycamore Academy. And I drive the 33 minutes or whatever it is from Bell Fountain to my house, 
I carry my phone in and I change my clothes from my work clothes into what I would rather wear. And I drive back up here. This press conference goes on and on and on. And three or four different people ask questions. The director of the school, who whoever that is, now ends up on the, the, the press conference. They are trying to answer questions. They are trying to explain some things. But they are literally making statements. And I, and I hate to do a half bleep job on this. But like questions like... You know, if you want us to contact your players, which is something he was apparently said before I got on to mm-hmm. the, if you want us to contact your players, it would be nice to have a roster because there's not one on your website. ESPN apparently didn't have a roster. We'd like to have a roster. Well, we'll get to work on that. Hey, there's nothing on your website about your school. Uh, literally, their about us page is blank. Yeah. And and <laughs> so, well, we, we need to, we need to fix that. And, and so then I got like a crash course in in them and a little bit about their history and you you, you can tell our listeners i mean they, they've had a couple different names this place has existed for at least three years and played img last year in a game that wasn't televised and 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 so now that the big deal is and it was all over twitter that i mean the, the espn announcers apparently were being very direct about the fact that this is a, a bleep show and we don't yeah. know exactly what we're dealing with and why this is on our airwaves no one knows and then espn just like most people will do when they're caught with their pants down try to explain that their pants didn't actually aren't actually down it's just that, that somebody pulled them down and right. the person somebody that pulled stole them their down balance. isn't stole here and we can't really deal with them and and I, it's such an unbelievable story uh that surrounds all that and they ended up on espn they were on espn uh in three o'clock on a sunday afternoon which is a pretty decent, you know, television window there that uh, they were getting beat fifty-eight to nothing. Now, uh, Bishop Sycamore, of course, there, there, there is no, you know, like there, there's no one ever been named Bishop Sycamore. It's just one of those names that sound fancy, you know, like yeah. you you can buy a home in Hawthorne Hills. Yeah, and if you, you know, put Bishop um, in front of anything, it sounds right, faith-based, it sound- and therefore you have a noble experiment going on. Correct. Uh, so they originally were Christians of Faith Academy. If you remember, Lima Senior played them uh, here in town a few years ago, and Spartans won. And then uh, they might have, uh, the, the directors of that academy might have um, committed fraud is because they were found guilty of that late last week. Uh, <laughs> fraudulently <laughs> procuring hundreds of thousands of dollars in uh, loans to run the the fake academy, uh, and then we're playing on ESPN yesterday afternoon. So that was a that was a fun little experiment there to to watch the best high school football team in the country play uh, somebody who might struggle to beat you know the 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 worst teams in the state. Well, I got to be gut level honest. If there was anything that fit the description of week zero. That was that was a nice cap to what Nebraska and Ooh. Hawaii provided for us on the first Saturday of week zero. The entire week in terms of the football experience was a huge zero in my book. Well, for for those college football programs, for um, Jamar Chase, who had a, a rough one yesterday. I just saw one. I just saw the first drop screen pass, <laughs> and I said, "Oh, I can't watch this anymore. I feel bad for Ron." That was uh, yeah. That was uh, Joe Burrow's one attempt yesterday. Didn't go well. Uh, Baker Mayfield looked pretty good, but otherwise, football over the weekend. When Fresno State is dropping hammers on UConn, maybe there's a reason why they're playing at two o'clock on CBS Sports Network on yeah. Week Zero and not. It it could be said that UConn didn't play the entire 2020 season and still hasn't played a football uh, game. Yeah, just yet. yeah, they 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 they're still on layoff from. I, I, what I can't understand is how Randy Edsel made that thing work so well the first time. 
And I, I, I can't believe he's still there. I, I'm sorry. I can't. I mean, the only guy that looks less like he's employable right now than Scott Frost is Randy Edsel at UConn, but that's that's just part of part of week zero. Scott Frost is going to get paid a lot of money to not coach Nebraska. And I, I want to find some place I can get paid a lot of money to not coach. <laughs> right. Where can that be? I really, really got, want that to happen. Got to weasel your way into somewhere to just get fired. Well, I need whoever markets Bishop Sycamore to help me find That's a job. True. That's they true. got on the worldwide leader, put me on there for a few weeks, and then let me get paid right. a lot of money not to coach. I'm certain I could do it well enough to earn that distinction. I am certain of that. I'm not certain of a lot of things. We can get you in touch with their people. Uh, Obviously, they're good. Obviously, their people are very good at at, uh, convincing the the right or wrong people, I guess. Well, the worldwide leader has some explaining to do about their due diligence and the processes that they follow before they put someone on their airwaves because they have taken a monstrous hit after that debacle. Of course, John, the company that uh, ESPN uses, they... They have assured ESPN that something like this will will never happen again. I, I think I would assure them too. I would tear up the contract and find another contractor to help me book whatever. Certain again, provisions have been put in place to ensure that this will not happen again. Part of you just wants to say, hey, for putting four high school football games on in one weekend on on TV, high school, this is what you get, ESPN. Well, a was, pox I, on your house. The amount, the, the amount of people who are like, hold on, why is high school football even on ESPN? Well, yeah. because there are freaks out there who who care about the 19th rated cornerback in the state of florida who might go to clemson those people care it's weird i i I just was watching it because it was literally the def the football definition of a train wreck you could not look away that as soon as the snap was released the quarterback for bishop sycamore was running for his life and it was like, oh, this is so bad. I can't not watch. I saw enough of that during my high school days, just watching <laughs> from the stands or from the from the behind the sidelines, as it were, for me. So it was quite the weekend, and we just got into some of the negative things that really stood out to us. <laughs> there were some positives as well. I promise you there were. And we're going to talk about those. We are going to visit with Mark Ray during this program. We're going to talk Nebraska and Illinois. I hope you watch some of that. Um, and then we'll recap our Monday's headlines today. All that during the first hour of today's program. We're going to take our first Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. I am John Cook. He's Garrett Seawright. Together we're Cookie and the Monster, and this is Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. Welcome back into the Basement Doctor Studio. For the record, Garrett, I've never kept cheese products of any kind in my pants pocket ever. Well, I, that's an absolute falsehood. That makes one of us. Okay, well then then I guess we can't question the voice <laughs> of God. i got to be the other guy then in that little rejoin. So we uh, appreciate you joining us for today's program. We're with you until just before 6 o'clock. We are presented, as always, by Jerry Lewis McDonald's. You can apply at work at mcd.com, and you can work today and get paid tomorrow at Lewis Family McDonald's. Garrett, we got poll questions today. We do. The very first poll question that you could vote in until 545 at 931 on the fan on Twitter is, had you heard of Bishop Sycamore football team before yesterday's game on ESPN? And 85% of our listeners said no. There was a really great, uh, I think it was a newspaper in Columbus, maybe, had done like an expose on them last year that basically just said, hey, this is a this is a sham. It's fake. It's ridiculous. It's kind of disgusting, actually, what they're doing. And so I, I was aware of them, and then when I saw they were going to play IMG on ESPN, I thought, i got to check this out. Oh, boy, that's not going to go well. And I, it didn't. Well, you know, the interesting thing was during the press conference that I listened to is one of the guys that joined the press conference, it said, this is one of your former players, and it was identified on the screen. Mm-hmm. Judah didn't have his last name. They said, Judah, you're there. And the guy got on and said, well, this is Judah's dad. And you could hear the, the director or the coach or whoever it was go, Pfft. 
kind of like here we go right oh great and, and this the guy guy's just, gonna blow the top the guy off. just kind of got it going and the snowball got rolling downhill pretty good i mean it already was by that point but uh you know it, it it's an interesting deal and, and i hope people will go out and research it and form their own opinions i i don't know everything there is to know um i i, I listened to a lot of that press conference today and do believe that there's a couple guys involved with that that may have an admirable vision for what they want to do right but they are utterly and appear to be utterly inept at getting it accomplished and I, I blame them if, if young people are being exploited. Um, I even blame them if young people are being exploited inadvertently while we're trying to get them opportunities. You know, we're, we're maybe creating some scenarios that make these kids look bad. I blame them for that part, even if it is an admiral. But I, I, I still, I so much blame on ESPN for allowing something like that to make. I mean, when you are, when you call yourself the worldwide leader, things don't slip through the cracks like that. See, I took it as they probably didn't care. Like they they cared more that they got the ability to have IMG on ESPN and have you know fifteen of the top three hundred players in the country on their airwaves. They will will take whatever we can get, and if that and, and I I think part of the blame there's a lot of blame to go around. I think part of the blame goes to IMG that they knew obviously that it was a sham last year when they beat them fifty six to six. But when not many people are lining up to play you. You got to take what you can get, and they probably now today are like, mm, maybe we shouldn't play them in the future. Now, before before yesterday, I have to vote no. I did neither, so I'll join that 85%. Uh, a couple other poll questions up. Should fans boo their favorite teams and players? 69% say yes. Nice. On the flip side of that, should players be reprimanded for showing their displeasure with fans? 57% say no, and that stems from the New York Mets, where the Mets players, uh, anytime they get a hit now, uh, well, before now, were giving thumbs down to their fans because they were tired of getting booed by their fans. So they, they give the old <laughs> thumbs down and every time they do something good is, uh, hey, how how you like this? <laughs> and then the Mets came out, uh, the, the Mets front office came out and was like, this will not be tolerated, blah, 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 blah. Our fans are our lifeblood. And they're like, right, because... The customer's always right, and so right, that's, you, you, you need that's money. That's what this entire, those, both of those questions come down to, is if you're going to run a business, you better take the approach the customer's always right. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. And so uh, they went with the approach that uh, the people uh, paying for the seats and the hot dogs and the parking and the merchandise, we're going to go ahead and snap with them. So three poll questions. Uh, we actually have one more poll question. The most important poll question is, should Ryan Day shave his beard? Um, he said today that... Uh, he's a little superstitious, never coached a game with a beard, wasn't going to start on Thursday. And so it's it's coming down in the next 48 hours. So should he shave his beard 64%? Say no. I'm going to ca- I'm going to cast a vote that'll surprise no one. He should rock a goatee. Oh, well, I think it's the way to go. He, I mean, it's a good looking it's it's a good looking beard. It's dark, it's thick. It's he's, he's he looks pretty good with the old beard. Just right? just get rid of the most of the beard. Bust down that goatee a little bit, thin it out. I think you should go with that look, but I'm a little biased in that regard. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but if if like if I could grow a beard to look that good, I would absolutely rock it. I'll probably except for the last like two weeks where yeah. it's been 100 degrees yeah. outside. You know, but deer hunting, I always tried to like, get a get a beard on me starting you know the end of early October maybe. I, I will try to muster concern for his beard as I start to panic about the prospect of what might happen against Minnesota based solely on what I saw from Nebraska on Saturday. We'll talk about that as part of our program a little bit later on. We're going to take our next Don Jingis Jeweler timeout. Those are our poll questions. Encourage you to get to Twitter at 931thefan. On Twitter, you can vote uh, in our poll questions. When we come back, we're going to be visiting with Mark Ray. 
Managing Editor Emeritus of the Buckeye Sports Bulletin. We'll talk Buckeye football. Imagine that. John and Garrett, Cookie and the Monster on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. Welcome back into the Basement Doctor Studio. John Cook and Garrett Seawright, Cookie and the Monster on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. And we are going to go to the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline and bring in Managing Editor Emeritus of the Buckeye Sports Bulletin, Mark Ray joins us. Mark, how are you today? I'm doing well, guys. I uh, got all fired up from Ryan Day this afternoon, so I'm ready to play football. I, you know what's funny, Mark? I, I had a chance to get out of my building today where I work and grab a lunch, and I got to hear part of the press conference. Boy, it was really exciting. <laughs> That's about as exciting as those get, I think. Um, you know, we, we were talking after the a couple of the – the older guys and me were talking. You know, was that a was that a vintage Trestle press conference? And it wasn't really because Trest, you know, would say a hundred words and not say anything. Yeah. And they actually said a couple of things today, but it was pretty close. I mean, he, he's 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 sliding in. What is this? Twenty five games into this? Yeah, he's. He's, he's getting the lay of the land. Yeah. Mark, Jim Trestle never talked about whether he was going to shave his beard or not. I, I, don't, I don't believe. <laughs> well, no, he, he didn't do that. And, and, in fact, that was kind of the, the running theme throughout the whole thing. We didn't learn a whole lot about who the second-team quarterback is or you know what kind of uh, rotation they're going to have at linebacker, if they're going to have one. But we got all we needed to know about Ryan Day's beard and the fact that it's going to be gone by game time on Thursday. I got to be honest, Tress kind of struck me as a guy who might, if he had free time, stand in front of the mirror and wait to see a facial hair pop out so he could cut it <laughs> off before it got company. Um, yeah, I, I think that's fair. He was he was always close shaven. So, very very yeah, much that's so. Right fair. So we are into game week. We're we're really midway through game week. Uh, preparations yep. well underway. Um, I'm going to ask you this question, and we're going to we're going to talk about it later in the program, Garrett and I as well. Is there any way that you think what we saw in Champaign on Saturday can serve as sort of a wake up call to, to the Buckeye football players that that let's just whatever we do, let's not field a punt inside the one, <laughs> let's not you know well, lay the football on the turf. I, I, I mean, I, I get concerned that young. 18, 19, 20-year-old kids who, for Ohio State who may have watched that, one of two things. They're either going to come away from it saying, my God, Nebraska sucks, or, or they got a chance to come away and say, look, we, that, we just, that can't be us. Well, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, but let, let's, let's be honest. The, the team at Ohio State is going to put on the field Thursday night in Minneapolis. There's no resemblance to Illinois or Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the fact that Illinois won that game should be surprising enough, um, but you know when I, I can't forget whether it's this week or next week that Nebraska is going to play Oklahoma. Holy smokes, that's going to be a, a bloodbath. So Nebraska isn't very good. We we all knew that. Um, yeah, I think if if Ohio State starts, you know, doing that, those kind of silly mistakes, uh, you know, and I just think they're better coached than that. I, I think they're better players and, and better coached. Not that you know Minnesota doesn't have a chance; they do um, a slim one. But you know, if you're waiting for for Ohio State to play like either team did on Saturday in Champaign, I think that uh, 
<laughs> we have severely misjudged this team. Well, I asked Spencer Holbrook this from Letterman Row. He was on the program last mm-hmm. week, and I asked him, uh, you know, what if you look at Minnesota objectively, what do they do that would cause you the greatest concern from an Ohio State perspective? What about their team, whether it's on the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, some combination of both? What What is Minnesota's calling card that could present Ohio State the greatest n- amount of trouble? Well, their calling card is a running game, but I don't. I'm not worried about that. Ohio State's very strong up front, and you know, Ibrahim may get his yards. Uh, if he gets a hundred, I'd be surprised. What's What scares me is Tanner Morgan, at least the Tanner Morgan from two years ago, um, working against Ohio State's back seven. And to me, I you know, until I see it. I don't know how improved they're going to be. They've got basically the same personnel, minus Sean Wade, minus the linebackers that I love to talk about so much. <laughs> um, the uh, you know the coaching staff is the same. The defensive coordinator is the same. So you're going to have to show me that you know the the players, at least the linebackers, that weren't good enough to start last year are going to be good enough to stop anybody this year. Now, I may be surprised. Uh, I may be pleasantly surprised, and I hope I am. But if you're asking me if something that scares me to death and something that probably scares Ryan day to death is Tanner Morgan looking like he did two years ago and and (laughs) doing some impression of Michael Penix. (laughs) Managing editor emeritus of the Buckeye Sports Bulletin, Mark Ray, joining us on the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline. And Mark, you mentioned the back seven. Is that like hands down the, the biggest question mark as we, we enter week one? Is that the one thing that far and away is the, is the one that, that makes you question whether that's the biggest area of weakness for Ohio State? Uh, yeah, for me it is. Uh, you know, special teams, is I don't think, is going to be any great shakes. I don't, I don't see any, you know, Outstanding kicker. I, mm-hmm. I see an average kicking game um, and an average return game. But you know, spe- <laughs> with all due respect to, to Tress, you know, if you're going to pin your hopes on your special teams, pin your national championship hopes on how good your special teams are, then I don't know. But yeah, the back seven is you got to get those guys lined up and you got to get them attacking. You know. I'm tired of seeing these guys chase. I'm sure everybody else is, but until you actually see it in action, you know, I think you've got to, you know, cringe a little bit. The, the, you know, the athletes are there. The, the five stars, the four stars we've talked about for years about how great they've, you know, recruited and you know, the speed and, and everything. But you know, the other teams got good players too, and and you just can't. I mean, Minnesota's not Alabama. Let's don't you know kid ourselves there, but. You know, I'm going to be looking for some, you know, some shutdown stuff, not just okay. They only gave up ten yards on that third and eight rather than fifteen. I mean, that that ain't going to get it done. So, you know, I I hope of what I see Thursday night is is a market improvement over what I saw last year. Well, Mark, and I, I think that's the question too. Coming into a game like this, I mean, you know, it, it's it's a league game, it's a road game, it's a Thursday yep. night. Uh, and you've got a first-time quarterback. There are all kinds of question marks, but the bottom line is, with, with Ohio State football, style points seem to matter. I mean, it's not it's not did you win, it, it's it's how did you win. And when they've yet to go on the field and establish a real offensive identity, and they've got those question marks in the in the back seven defensively, um, you know, it, it, it causes me to have a question about what what can we 
what's going to be the thing when we come away from from Thursday night that makes us feel good? I mean, what, what what's it going to? I mean, is it a, is it a just a win or is it a you know a forty two to six win? Well, I think you know that's a good question, but I think you know the final score might be not indicative of you know what we're looking for. I think this offense is you know potentially explosive. If, if C.J. Stroud is as good as everybody thinks he is, you know they're going to score points. They're going to score a bunch of points, and it might only you know it might be a forty-five to ten game or, or you know, forty-nine to seventeen or something. But you know if Minnesota, first of all, Minnesota has absolutely nothing to lose. They've got an excitable mm-hmm. coach who'll have his team so high that, you know, they'll be able to float out of the locker room thinking that they can be, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Where that's, you know, where the rubber beats the road is, you know, the first time they, they lock horns with Ohio State, which is bigger, stronger, faster, and better. But, um, you know, they're and they talked about it today, there, there are times in the past uh, at Iowa, at Purdue, those are Big Ten West teams on the road, um, you know, that threw a monkey wrench in the entire proceedings. You certainly don't want that to happen in the opener. And and a season opener is going to have mistakes. I mean, that's what a season opener is. You you can't expect to play a perfect game. That being said, you know how how do they do on third and eighteen? How do they do on third and one? I'm talking about the Ohio State defense. You know, if, if they if they hold Minnesota, you know to do a certain amount of yardage and a certain amount of of points, you know, that's what I'm looking for. If they have these big breakout, if Minnesota has these big breakout plays and, and you know, where they get out the back door and somebody runs for 80 yards, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it might be a long season. Mark, you, you mentioned the job that P.J. Fleck has done and, and will do as a motivator. Is that – is that all he is? How do you assess his job as a <laughs> as a on the field football coach? You know, it's it's kind of hard. You know, when he was here, when he he was on Trust's uh, staff as a grad assistant, um, he what you see is what you get. This guy's excitable. I mean, he you know he'd make a game of tiddlywinks look like it was <laughs> you know a struggle for life and death. Um, but you don't know. I mean, two years ago they were a top ten team and and overachieved and. I think he won Coach of the Year, and rightfully so. And last year they came back to earth with a big thud. Now, was that because of you know the the pandemic riddled season? Was that you know something else? We don't know. But you know they're home. They've got nothing to lose. He's you know this is this is this is the kind of game that you know coaches like PJ Fleck love to play because they're telling their kids. You've got no chance. Go out and shock the world. And if Ohio State comes out and, and God forbid, you know, CJ throws an interception on the first series and, and Minnesota gets ahead of steam, then it might be a long night. I don't envision that, but um, you know, I guess anything's possible. I, I, I and I hope I hope that that's not possible because all I all I keep hearing in my headset and in my mind every time I think about those things is the one Scott Frost quote that I took away from his press conference. I didn't see any of that during camp. <laughs> he, he talked about feeling a punt inside the one, trying to throw it out of the end zone. I, I didn't see any of that in camp. Well, no one does. No one wants well, to see that in camp. T- today in his press conference, he mentioned that half of their game plan went out the door with the way Illinois was lined up. Oh, well. When Illinois lined up on the first play, half our game plan went out the door. Like 
you said something out loud you should, probably shouldn't have. Well, I, well, yeah, if you said that out loud, then, you know, let's translate. I'm a bad coach. Right. Right. If, if I if I didn't see that coming, then you know you you should probably fire me. Plan that can't I mean, be changed that, is a bad that's plan. Inexcusable. I used I I heard that all the time, and you know when Coop, God bless him, when when he was the coach, and they get you know beat by somebody they shouldn't get beat. The first words out of anybody's mouth was, "Oh, you know, gee, we didn't see that on film." I. <laughs> Okay. Well, you saw it the first play. You saw it the first series. Did you adjust it all? No, you didn't, and that's why you lost. <laughs> Mark, uh, we need to let you go, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to Thursday night at eight o'clock. I, I can't decide whether I'm super excited because I'm really, really optimistic, or I can't decide if I'm having anxiety and it's cover- I'm just covering it up with optimism. I don't know which yet, but that, I got I've that got seventy two hours. The territory, and you know it. Yes, it does absolutely, uh, and that's that's part of growing up in the. Uh, in the 80s and 90s as a Buckeye fan as well. But uh, we've got well, about... As Ryan, as Ryan Day said today, you know, you're not allowed to lose around here. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But unfortunately... Not many, not many places that's true, though. Not, not a whole lot of places are like, ah, it's all right to well, lose. That's, that's fine. Well, that's, you know, that's that's your life story, too. You're not, you're not supposed to lose too much. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll go to my grave glad I was a Buckeye fan, but I will be able to remember a lot of days where it did cost me a lot of consternation, and I'm hoping Thursday, go. hoping Thursday's not one of them. So uh, we don't have a show on Monday next week because of the holiday, so we might maybe slide you later in the week, but certainly we look forward to chatting with you more going forward down the season. Thanks for your time, Mark. You bet, Sam. Talk to you later. Mark Gray, Managing Editor Emeritus of the Buckeye Sports Bulletin, join us on the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline to talk Buckeye football. He'll be a weekly guest with us. Uh, on kind of a Monday follow-up after all the games. Thursday night, 8 o'clock on Fox, the Buckeyes travel to Minnesota and take on the Gophers. I'm sure all of you will be watching. I'm almost certain that I'll be watching, but I generally have to win an argument with two three-year-olds and their mother to get that done. But uh, I, I think How we'll hard get it is that? It's, it's harder. It depends on the Thursday. It's, it's harder sometimes if I don't want to raise my voice. And I'd prefer not uh, to raise my voice. I was to say, there's some things worth raising your voice it, over. It, this, this is certainly one of those. It's on the list. I've Sorry, not, girls, but... I've, I've not raised my voice for quite some time because I'm trying to pick my moments, and this is one of my moments. Oh, yeah. Certainly one of my moments. So we're going to take our next Don Jingis Jeweler timeout, and uh, when we get back, I am going to get back into that conversation about Nebraska fallout. Uh, is it a wake-up call to Ohio State, or is just Nebraska just really, really bad? We'll talk about that and more on the other side of this Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. He's Garrett and I'm John. We're Cookie and the Monster on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. 419-227-9393-1888-894-3776. That's 888-894-ESPN if you want to be a part of today's program. Uh, we are going to chat a little bit more in detail. I didn't want to spend too much time on it with Mark, but... First of all, Gary, did you watch Nebraska Illinois? Yes, I watched uh, darn near the entire entire debacle. Is that the? Yeah, I, I would say that's accurate. It, it was that way from pretty well the get go. And I missed the. I probably missed. Well, I missed the first score. I, I, that, that I can tell you when when Nebraska went ahead, and and then I I caught almost all the rest of it at, at thirty to sixteen with with. Uh, with Nebraska driving, I think I just bailed on it. Mm-hmm. Right, I, I went to. They're the, not going to score two yeah. touchdowns in the final uh, two and a half minutes. Watched the Little League World Series a little bit. And, um, it, I mean, it's been well chronicled, and it's been all over Sports Center, and it's there's been articles written. I mean, what Nebraska did to themselves to lose that game is hard to 
quantify. I mean, when you try to field a punt inside the one, when you try to sling it out of bounds <laughs> to avoid being tackled for a safety, I, it, it's inexplainable. And, that, and I believe that guy has gotten some consideration as a potential preseason All-American type of talent. Um, the when your quarterback is as experienced as that quarterback is, he lays the ball on the turf right before the half. Um, the other, the other, the other play was when they had an interception. Um, they were going to get the ball back, but the the hit on the quarterback that caused the yeah. interception was a roughing the passer penalty. And after roughing the passer, the guy gets called for taunting the quarterback <laughs> that he just slammed into the turf with his shoulder in his waist. Um, a turnover becomes thirty yards worth of progress for your opponent. Uh, which Illinois takes advantage of and scores. I I almost feel bad, and I can't ever almost even say this out loud. I, I, I don't know why anyone would feel bad for Brett Bielema at any time in his career. But he won his first game at Illinois as head coach, and I don't think anyone is saying, nice job, Illinois. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, absolutely. It is all flat out. And they they deserve some credit. They capitalized on... Nebraska mistake after Nebraska mistake after Nebraska mistake after Nebraska mistake, and they did it with their backup quarterback, where I haven't seen uh, when Brandon Peters went down after that sack, just the way he rolled over, I went, oh, he broke his collarbone, he's done for the season. And my wife was like, really? Do you think so? I'm like, yes. Yes. When he I've seen went, that right, before. Right, right. I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen a quarterback hit like that and immediately just flail the ball away and grab their left shoulder. His collarbone is broken, and he's done. So then you bring in Art Sitkowski, the backup, who's a transfer from Rutgers. And he looks like and a he baller. Plays he plays well. Yeah. <laughs> he played pretty well. Uh, I think Illinois deserves some credit. I, I think Nebraska lost that game more than Illinois won it. But that's the name of the game is capitalized on the mistakes that you're given. And they did. Well, when you when you have a nine to two lead, which in and of itself is an oddity. Oh, it was the Twitter. Twitter was awesome. Just the amount of like, okay, so we've got a safety, a, a missed field goal, a missed extra point. Big Ten football is back, baby! Like, yes, yes, it is. And and a part of that is a week zero thing. Like, right? Didn't play. You know, didn't have a regular quote unquote regular season last year. Off season, what it was. You expect rusty play, sloppy play, sketchy play in the opener, and that's what brings me to the question that I asked Mark, that I have asked everybody, is yes, Ohio State is way more talented than Illinois and way more talented than Nebraska. Does that mean that C.J. Stroud, who's starting his first game, is incapable of laying it on the turf right. and somebody picking it up and running it into the end zone for Minnesota? Does that mean that somebody's incapable of making a mistake on a punt that leads to a touchdown? Does it mean that somebody on the Ohio State defense won't make a monstrous defensive mistake and instead of getting a turnover for his team, giving the other team 30 yards? I don't know those things, so it's a little bit concerning to me. Oh, it's absolutely. Like everybody just assumes, and you know, like, the Vegas odds makers have CJ Stroud as like the sixth highest pick to win the Heisman Trophy. It's I don't think it's just as likely, but it's certainly possible. He goes out there on Thursday night, throws three interceptions, two touchdowns, and Ohio State ekes out a win or whatever, and there's questions going forward. It's not just a, hey, because we've got the five stripes down the middle of our helmet, we're going to kick your ass. I don't think that is just a given. Now, do I think Minnesota has the, the same caliber of players as Ohio State? Of course not. But you've mentioned it time and time again. It's a Thursday night on the road season opener against a conference opponent who is going to be just through the roof excited to be playing in that game. 
it's not just going to be a walk in the park. Yeah, there, there was a time when going to Minnesota for an opener on a Thursday night, I would have thought, man, there'll be half half that building would be Buckeye fans. Right, the Metro, be, Dome, Metro <laughs> Dome will be bumping. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be that way in this one. And so I asked Mark this question for anybody who missed our interview with Mark Ray uh, in the last segment. The question I asked, which is, I think, a legitimate one, you know, when you're dealing with 18, 19, 20-year-old kids, what's the percentage of the Buckeye roster that watched that game and came away from it saying, my God, Nebraska sucks and Illinois is not very good either. And what percentage of it came away from it saying to the fellows in the locker room the next day, that can't be us. We can't make those mistakes. Get your mind right because that was our wake-up call. We don't get one on Thursday. That's our wake-up call. Yeah, I, I think the big takeaway is Nebraska is not nearly as good as people had thought, hoped, and expected at this point in the Scott Frost era. Um, and even the, the announcers on Fox on Saturday said, Adrian Martinez has not gotten any better since he came there as a freshman. And there were he he overthrew a six foot nine tight end at one point. Like the guy's six foot nine, he should probably be playing basketball in Greece somewhere, and he's playing football in Lincoln, Nebraska. And you overthrew it. How long has Scott Frost been at Nebraska? This is his fourth season. There's a great tweet over the weekend that said he has to go thirty seven and one to match Jim Harbaugh's first four seasons to, to match where Jim Harbaugh is right now. He's got, so, he's got two more losses at Nebraska than Nick Saban's got at Alabama. It's it's bonkers. <laughs> Two more losses at Nebraska. Nick Saban's got at Alabama. That's, that's just those are numbers just to think about. Obviously, time for a Don Jingus jeweler timeout. When we come back, we will get into Monday's headlines today. Recap and let you know how we did. I don't know if you listened to Monday's headlines today on Friday. Um, we we didn't bat a thousand again, so that'll be good. And we'll get into that and more on the other side of this Don Jenkins jeweler timeout. He's Garrett. I'm John. We're Cookie and the Monster. This is Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. Hour number one is in the books. Hour number two, straight ahead. Uh, if you missed our visit with Mark Ray, you can catch that on the uh, podcast, uh, 931thefan.com. Uh, the show goes up as a podcast, both hours every day. You can go back and catch our interview with Mark Ray uh, and, and I don't care if it is our show, and I don't care what it says when Mark's on you, period. The guy's a rock-solid guest, knows his stuff, he's plugged into the Buckeyes, um, and, he, and he gets he gets radio. He gets how to, how to do this well, stuff and present information. He's just as bitter as we are about the dumbest things. Yeah, and, that's- and, and what's great about it is it's just far enough beneath the surface that it's kind of pleasant for a bit, and then it just comes out once in a while. Right, it, it comes out as just unadulterated sarcasm and people think it's funny for the first 15 minutes and then they just realize you're a jerk well and, and, and mark hides his so well but boy all you gotta do is talk about that defensive or set you of linebackers right, talk about linebackers <laughs> and linebackers. <laughs> all decorum is lost <laughs> mark's fangs gonna come out so we like to on mondays uh recap our uh monday's headlines today which actually we do on fridays we try to prognosticate a little bit and typically i keep our show sheet this piece of paper right here from Friday to Monday, and I have my notes on it. Well, I don't have Friday's show sheet with me today, but I do remember my one headline, at least. I think I had two, but one two. one that I recall is that I had said that Baker Mayfield, uh, rusty in return, should he have played more in the preseason. Yes, I was also Mayfield unimpressive in preseason loss. How'd we do there, Gary? Not great. <laughs> you could make the argument. It, we, we were off the mark. You could argue. Here, here's what I can say. I watched enough of the Browns to know this. First of all, I was a little concerned because they had a false start penalty on the first snap. And they, like, had, oh boy. they had been not penalized basically the entire preseason. And the first snap with the ones out there together, they get that. And I thought, oh, oh, oh are we going to see some rust? 
Um, again, not a football guy per se, not a guy that studied that sport as far as um, you know the intricacies and the nuances of the game. But here's what I do know. When I watched Baker Mayfield on his third step or his fifth step or his seventh step, that ball was coming out, and it had some zip on it, and he was decisive, and he was really accurate. Yeah, he was uh, the exact opposite of Rusty. He was the exact opposite of lackluster, unimpressive, whatever. It was like, oh, all right, it almost – and they, they talked to him in the broadcast after after he was done playing and, and brought up, I think, good points of it's a little different than last year, and it's the second year in a system, and he said, you know, Kevin Stefanski and I are speaking the same language. It is a lot easier now than it was last year, and so expect – Maybe things a little better this year. So kudos to Baker Mayfield for ruining our one yeah. Monday's headline today from Friday. How about your other one? Uh, I, I was really banking on, on that one. Uh, I, I had I had two more <laughs> so that, that didn't go didn't go well. One went well. Uh, Reds complete sweep take firm hold of wild card spot. That would be the one that didn't go. So yeah, well. yeah. Two hits, two hits yesterday, and I believe I, again. Call me unprofessional if you want. I don't even remember the starting pitcher for the Marlins. I just know that he. I think he had about a seven ERA yeah, who, in his last handful yesterday. of starts. Um, and, and and but it was the second straight weekend basically that they were playing the exact same pitchers that things went all right the week before. Not so well. So no. I, I stayed away from Red's prognostication because I've been so bad at it, um, and and I'm glad that I did. I I think my if I remember right, my only other headline was. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I Jesus, can't remember. Who had Jesus Lazardo. 7.19 yes. ERA. 7.19 ERA. And, and, and he, he goes, just kind of tames the Reds lineup, which we've talked about ad nauseum for the, the depth and the quality and, and, and how dangerous the lineup is. But I, and again, I'm going from a faulty memory here. I either said Michigan finds a way to beat Ohio and it had to be in the Little League World Series. Or I said Michigan still can't beat Ohio. I can't remember which one oh. I said, but I'm going to say that I said Michigan finds a way to beat Ohio. I have no problem with that. Okay, good. That's uh, what we're going to go with. I, I saw a great college football account Twitter yes, tweet yesterday that said, Michigan beats Ohio for championship. It, is, this is the first time that it's ever really been spoken about on this website that has existed for 15 years. <laughs> like, you know, so when you put it like that. Now, I, what I should have gone with is the headline for Monday should have been Harbaugh invites Little League manager to speak to Wolverines. Uh, right. That's what should have been because they did. Michigan did uh, pull off the win, although I will say this. If Ohio had done more to defuse their own opportunities to win that game, they would have been called Nebraska. Uh, they, 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 they had the bases loaded and nobody out in the first inning, the bases loaded and one out in the third inning. Uh, in the third, Did you see this? In the third inning, they got the bases loaded and one out, and a guy strikes out, and the runner on third thinks it's the third out, and he starts toward the dugout. I did not. I, I saw, so I saw the top of the sixth inning where, they, where Michigan walked the bases loaded and walked in a run. And the third base, the runner on third base got tagged by the catcher and had this look on his face like, what in the hell is wrong with you? Like, you just tagged me. I, he was like, it's ball four, man. Also, uh, you know, you, like everybody thinks that because they're volunteer umpires, that you, they're above reproach. No, the home plate umpire yesterday was terrible. Yeah, his, he, was it, he, was, he was given a strike for a minimum of three and a half inches off the oh, outside corner. <laughs> minimum. Remember when Levon Hernandez mowed him down for the Marlins the one year in the, was it in the World Series of the LCS? Yeah. He had like 14 strikeouts or something. And, and it was Eric I, Greg. I can't remember. I, I might have been. Kept giving him that outside strike because everybody was just caught up in the moment. Well, this guy was doing the same thing. Oh, like there were, uh, the kid was throwing curveballs that would, 
you know, be four inches off the plate, but the catcher was framing them great. Framing them. Like, are you kidding? Like, you're getting, you're getting uh, walked, you're getting crossed up by a 12 year old catcher. Bob, really? Bob Boone's great grandson back there framing them up like that. Make soft hands, making it look good. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I, I was interested in the World Series uh, championship game yesterday. And to, like, I think it's rough to, you know, bring the the winning run to the plate and just fly out to center field to lose it. Like, but also, like the the celebration never seems like it's all that great. Like everybody's like, "Oh yeah, we won! Hooray!" No dog pile or something. Go do oh, dirt angels. Well, that, that that's a direct result of all the things that kids have become entitled to in their lifetime. And go bonkers. It, it, it's it's not as big a deal as it once well, was, yeah, as they say. I would it's think winning not. the championship on ABC is. I it's would, a big deal. I would certainly think so. You had a third headline. I had I a third headline. I, I did. I've got my list here in front of me. Nebraska ugly and lost to Illinois. <laughs> Woohoo! Can I can I toot my horn on yeah, that? Yeah, we'll, like, we'll give that one a double yeah, fist. Yeah, I mean that was uh, like that. That literally couldn't be more perfect of a head. Nebraska ugly. Nebraska ugly. 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 <laughs> <Right. laughs> it was bad in loss to <laughs> Illinois. It, like, it just it was the least surprising thing of the weekend. That somehow, some way, they were going to lose that game to an Illinois team who's probably going to go four and eight, and Brett Bielema will somehow turn that into, you know, we had a real bear cupboard and we, we really turned things around and blah, blah, blah. They beat Nebraska, who I think there were, I, I don't, I, I thought there were some pretty nice pieces for Nebraska. If Adrian Martinez wasn't kind of dreadful at throwing the football, I thought they were, they, they might be like a nine and three team. But the mental mistakes all everywhere made you look like you, you couldn't beat 2001 Indiana. Couldn't beat Bishop Sycamore Academy. <laughs> I don't even. Do they throw Academy on the end? I don't I, even. Know. Probably not. It's Bishop Sycamore. Bishop Sycamore. Bishop you know Sycamore. the the venerable Bishop Sycamore that we all knew to grow and loved for his charitable works around Columbus. Yeah, his team got to play on ESPN. And looked probably really and looked, thrilled about and it. looked no worse than Nebraska. That's well, who, that who played on Fox. <laughs> All right, so we went a grand total of one for five, and I think that improved our win- our percentage so far on Monday's headlines that, from Friday. That, that might that might bring us up a bit. So that's a good sign for us. We're trending in the right direction. We're going to take a Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout and get more football at five fifteen right here on Lima Sports Radio ninety three one The Fan. Welcome back into the Basement Doctor Studio, where we are presented, as always, by Jerry Lewis McDonald's. You can apply at work at mcd.com, and you can work today and get paid tomorrow at Lewis Family McDonald's. Garrett, um, football at 515. John, <laughs> service master at your service, <laughs> welcomes you to football at 515, uh, where hard work, determination, and sportsmanship creates opportunities to be your best. Like Bear Bryant said, it's not the will to win, but it's the will to prepare to win that makes a difference. And that's why it's Service Master. They don't cut corners. They clean them. The Cleveland Browns, John, have announced a couple of uh, players they are releasing to reduce their number to 53. they got to be down by 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. I've got a list here where Kyle Laletta, the backup quarterback, has been released. Which, to be honest, watching him yesterday, I thought, like, 
If they needed him at a pinch, they could win a football game with this guy. He played really well in all three preseason games, I thought. And hey, in my defense, the little lead-in was I started to have this little funny lead-in that I created in my mind, and I looked at the computer screen, and it was 514, and by God, I was going to make it by 515 on one day since it's, I took this job. That's, that's true. So we are football at 515. So Kyle, Kyle Laletta has been released by the Cleveland Browns, which as I, like, I, I thought he played... Really well. Now, was he ever going to beat out Case Keenum? Probably not. I, I am. I don't know if he's eligible to be a practice squad guy, but I thought he played well enough that somebody out there is going, "Hey, give me that guy." Yeah, yeah, certainly. Especially if you need a third guy. And I, I just, I was. That was the one thing I assumed wasn't going to happen was that he would be the guy getting cut. Uh, Sheldrick Redwine, the former fourth round pick, uh, safety has been cut, which I don't think. Many people are surprised by, but then Curtis Weaver, defensive end, wide receiver JoJo Natson, uh, linebacker to Gray Scales, Marvin Wilson, a defensive lineman, and tight end Jordan Franks, who I found out yesterday is Felipe Franks. Felipe Franks' brother. Brother. I yeah. did not know that. And I also a little surprised he got cut. But not, uh, well, not shocked, but a little surprised. Well, because tight end now is such a position that like everybody's like, I need about six of those dudes because they can play on the goal line and play special teams, and we can do whatever we want with those guys. Yeah. And I'm, I wonder if the guys who get cut today are the players that teams really kind of respect or at least realize, like, hey, you've got a chance to probably sign on somewhere else, so I'm going to cut you now to give you that extra time. But somebody's going to pick up Kyle Laletta. He is not going to become uh, investment banker. Uh, on Thursday, no, and, and, <laughs> he's going yeah. to be in an NFL an NFL team somewhere. And, and the other thing that I think is true too, I don't know if or when the Browns are going to cut more wide receivers, but somebody's picking up some of those dudes too. Yeah. Man, they've got some pass catchers on yeah. that team right now that aren't going to make the roster. The, I know we've mentioned it before, but it is still weird to mention Browns players who are going to get cut that are going to be picked up not by the Alliance of American Football. Or the Canadian Football League, or the XFL, or, right, or the XFL, or just you know the next bagger at Save a Lot, or whatever. <laughs> like they're they're gonna play, they're gonna continue to play football because they're not good enough to make the Cleveland Browns. Which that, is just that, that, that sentence sm- alone. Is- yeah, and and I know to Browns fans it feels like it was a long time getting here, but it, in some ways it feels like it happened kind of overnight. Like they were not this a couple of years ago. No. They were not. Like you could see like there was a progression, and then it felt like. With the the vaunted Freddie Kitchens era, that it felt like it took a a gigantic step backwards, and then they just continue to. And I don't. I, I lean more towards they got lucky by hiring Kevin Stefanski than they somehow just miraculously got competent out of the blue they and sussed it out, and figured all right. these things like out. Like Jimmy Haslam's like, damn it, you know what? I figured it all out. Well, see, here, here, that's that's the, what was going to be my next point. Is there? It, it cannot be a coincidence that we hear less from Jimmy Haslam than we ever have, and the team is doing better oh, than they've I, done in decades. Well, and I, I, I wonder if when they hire Andrew Barry, if he says, hey, Jimmy, you're a great guy. Shut up. Yeah, I really, <laughs> like, want, I, I need, I really I need want this you, job, but... <laughs> right, I, I, if I'm taking this job, you aren't really going to be a part of this. Like, you got to let me work. And at that point... I am, and maybe Jimmy Haslam deserves some credit. I don't know, but 
he probably realized, I've done it every which way but right. Maybe I should try it this way. Wouldn't you like to be the guy that gets to have the conversation and say, oh. Jimmy, listen, you can be Jerry Jones. See that like, or you can be a champion. Like there, <laughs> right, there are like I imagine every time that the Cowboys hire a coach, somebody's gotta have the berries to say, Jerry, I appreciate you, but go away. Yeah, the, like, only, the only guy that had the stones to say it won, won three Super right. Bowls and, or two Super Bowls and they ran him out. Right, because right, Jerry couldn't stand it. Jerry right. couldn't stand couldn't Jerry being it. the center of attention. Oh. I, it just, I, I, and I, I have to assume that somebody in the Browns organization said, Jimmy, you can't go out there for like the sixth time and be like, I, pro- I take responsibility for this hire. We didn't get it right. We're going to get it right next time. Like At some point, those words don't mean anything. Now, have they got it right this time? Yeah. I wonder if they've got him strapped to a gurney with a stick in his mouth because he wants to get out there and say, see, I got it right. See, I got it right. I told you. I told you I'd get it right one of these days. See, I got it right. Oh, so everybody's cutting down to 53 by 4 o'clock tomorrow 4 afternoon. 4 o'clock tomorrow, a bunch now, of dudes are losing their jobs. I'm not a regular uh, hard knocks guy, but I've tried to keep up a little bit this year. Is it? Is it? Do they do a lot of that show on a bunch of cuts here in the next couple of Mondays? Is that a part of hard knocks? I think so. I uh, And it's probably... Either they focus on one bigger person that got cut, or they go with just in a, a montage of Mike McCarthy saying, "Hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna let you go today." Blah 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 blah. Give us your playbook. Well, I had this grand vision of watching a bunch of that Hard Knocks this year. I've watched an episode <laughs> and a half, and I just can't find the time to go back to it. And I'm not watching it Mondays at ten o'clock because I'm just well, I'm an old man. And I can't stay up that late anymore. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, who works for. The uh, NFL Network works for NFL Network. Yeah, he's good. He tweeted a great story today, where when he was working for an NFL team, his job was. He said, "Here's cut down story number one. I had two assignments on cut day: take players to the head coach and get his playbook. I told a third year wide receiver he needed to go see the head coach. I took him to the head coach's office and he was told he was being released. After the meeting, I told him I needed his playbook. He said he left it at home and would send it in later." I told him that wasn't an option and that I would follow him to his house to get it right now. He was fuming mad and swearing at me. I follow him out the door. He gets in his muscle car, and I sprint to my 1994 Honda Accord to follow him. I'm trying my best to keep up. I finally get to his house. He goes in the front door and slams it. I follow and ring the doorbell, and I wait for four minutes. He opens the door and chucks the playbook at me. <laughs> at that moment, I began to question my career choice. Oh, that is a great story. Is there, is there any chance Phil's pocket dialing me? Because uh, yeah. he's tried to call my cell phone like twice in the last four minutes. He's pretty sure what we're doing, right? Yeah, yep, so that's a, that's, a, that's a pocket dial. That's a pocket dial. We'll just pass on that one. Um, we got lots more football I want to talk. We'll get into the Bengals a little bit with their preseason where Joe Bro finally got some runs, sort of. Uh, Ryan Day going to be shaving his beard. I think we've talked about that. I still think there's something to be said there for going there's with some, the goatee. There's some magic there. Yeah, there I, I, there's something for sure about that. And then we are going to have poll results later in the program. And obviously we do our water cooler talk as well. You want to join us on the other side of this Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. I'm John Cook. He's Garrett C. Wright. Together we are Cookie and the Monster. And this is Lima Sports Radio. 93 won the fan. Welcome back into the Basement Doctor Studio. This is Cookie and the Monster on Lima Sports Radio 93.1 The Fan. And uh, preseason football is officially behind us. But darn, we now we, we now have to wait a full two weeks to get to regular season football. That in and of itself is something that I find interesting. 
I, I, you know, I know, I know. Even realistically, when there was a fourth preseason game, that none of the starters were playing in the fourth game, so they essentially had two weeks anyway. But but two, two weeks seems like a lot, especially when, if you're a Bengals fan, for example, and we've got a few in our area, Joe Burrow has taken a total of three snaps by design, three snaps in the preseason. Cause for concern? I think I think so. I think you've got to get through that that mental block. And I I I don't know that that will be a challenging thing for Joe Burrow to do, but at the end of the day, he still is coming back from a major knee injury that I have to think makes you go, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> I don't I don't want to go through that again. So th- is there going to be maybe just a hitch in his get up or is just going to be maybe a bit more concerned about it than he normally would have been? I have to think so. And would you rather work that out? On Sunday afternoon against the Dolphins, when it doesn't mean anything, or in week one and week two, I would certainly go with the Sunday in August where it's 100 degrees and it just don't matter. I would rather work it out then than when it when it does matter. Now, you can make the argument for the Bengals that the next 17 games don't matter because they're not a playoff team, and by God, in real, in realistically, they should probably be tanking to get the best, best draft pick they can because... So they can blow it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that. But just because they don't, there's not a path to the playoffs for the Bengals. To be 100% clear, it doesn't exist. So if you're not going to make the playoffs, you might as well be dreadful. Well, and they may well be. I don't know. I saw they traded Billy Price today. They did. Uh, which I know he had fallen off. He wasn't a first team lineman, but it just seems odd. I don't know. Maybe they picked up a good pass rusher or something. I think it was what, what I saw the trade yeah, was for. It's, but. it's a weird kind of spot to admit. Hey, we got this wrong. Like you gave it three and a half, three years basically, and then went, "Oh boy, we didn't get that one right. Let's get what you can get for him." Which maybe they deserve to be praised for getting uh, B.J. Hill. I believe is a guy's name that has had a couple of sacks in like a hundred games or well, something for fifty games, something like that. Uh, yeah, B.J. Hill is the defensive lineman's name, but um, it feels like. Maybe just admitting defeat and getting out while you could get something for him. So you got to to watch the Bengals, or I'm assuming you watched a little bit. I, I watched. Yeah. I watched maybe more than I even should have because it's preseason football, and once Burrow wasn't playing, I'm not sure what level of interest there should be. Um, I I'm not sure I I get the three snaps. I I, I mean other than, other than maybe it was just that Burrow was so insistent that he wanted to play. And, and maybe I'd feel better about the three snaps if, if one of the three wasn't the pass attempt that he did make. Um, and it probably wasn't going anywhere, but Jamar Chase, they threw a little bubble screen to Chase, and it, it went like right between his hands. And he dropped for – that's at least his fourth drop, maybe his fifth drop of the preseason. Um, there wasn't – it didn't feel to me like there was anything accomplished yeah. by what they did. Well, and I, I, I guess if – it's easy for me. To, if I was an NFL head coach, I think everything you do has to be done with a purpose, right? Well, what was the purpose of throwing Joe Burrow out there for three plays? Like, what did you accomplish? What did you get out of it? What did he get out of it? What did anybody get out of him working out, getting up into a full lather to hand the ball off twice and throw an incompletion yesterday? What did anybody get out of that? Nothing? Well, it was a waste then. You wasted an opportunity for him to either get better or to evaluate him as a player. I think it's a gigantic missed opportunity, and I don't. I guess sitting here today, I don't know what the purpose of that was. And and I've never been a monster fan of this idea. Well, that you know our starters are going to play one series and they're coming out. 
I, I why would you declare that if one right. if one series ends up being three plays, then what what was the point? Um, I, I I like the idea that you say you know we're we're going to try to have a targeted number of snaps. If we get those snaps yeah. in two series, it's two series. Right. If fifteen we get plays. Them, if you go fifteen right. play drive, the first, like that's way different than three and out. Yeah, and I, again, I've never coached it in my life, and and but I I would think the notion of fifteen snaps or two series, fifteen snaps or three series. You know, that's our that's our target. Either fifteen snaps or three series. If it's three three and outs, then we're done. He's not going to get his fifteen right. snaps, but we're not putting him out there anymore. Um, but a chance for him to develop any rhythm, there was none. No, a chance for the, the for that group to develop rhythm together, there was really none. Um, and really, what there was was essentially three snaps during which somebody could have rolled into his knee. Because you were not really giving him a chance to develop anything else. So to me, the the risk becomes a lot less worth the reward. It's a lot higher risk when you're not gaining anything of value. I, I again, no, I, and I didn't get to ask you know their head coach. I, I didn't get to ask him what do you feel like you gained from this. I I can't imagine there's an acceptable answer. No, I, I, it's almost I wonder if it's like uh, like serving two masters where. Joe Burrow is he's insistent I want to play I want to play I want to play and you don't want to lose that guy but at the same time you don't want to be the guy who is I think everybody agrees going into the 2021 season on the hot seat and having it go down the tubes because you played Joe Burrow in a meaningless third preseason game for an 11th snap or whatever I just don't know if you have decided it is not worth the risk to put him out there why are you only doing it for three? Like you are inherently, needlessly exposing him to a risk that if it's that much of a concern for you, that him playing a fourth, fifth, or sixth snap <laughs> concerns you that much. Why is he playing one, two, or three snaps? I, I, it doesn't I, make any sense. No, it doesn't. And I, I would love to hear the answer. I'm sure the answer would be something that is a lot of words that actually says nothing. Right. Well, you know, we felt really important that Joe uh, get the opportunity to uh, see the field a little bit, like. What? <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. We wanted Joe to quit bitching about right. needing if, to if play. That, I, that's I, I, right. I think that is endearing to the fans. If that's if you want to say, I got real sick and tired of hearing Joe every day say, I want to play, the fans are like, this is awesome. This dude wants to play. This dude wants to be out there for our squad. That is, that's endearing. You saying... Why did he play today? Like, well, uh, giving your you know your political your politician's answer makes everybody think you're just an idiot. Spin it some way, make somebody look good. Within that same division, uh, it is easy to see why some people don't want starters playing in the preseason whatsoever. When you saw, if you saw J.K. Dobbins, uh, who was going to be the feature back in Baltimore this year for the first time in his career. Uh, who led the league in yards per attempt last year? Yeah, and I again said that led the league in yards per attempt. That's you know at the top of the list. Whether you want to talk Nick Chubb, uh, Derrick Henry, uh, he led the league in yards per attempt. And uh, if the, I think the test results were confirmed that it is a torn ACL yeah. and he will not play this year. Yeah, and I don't. First of all, I don't know how many people I text Saturday as I saw it come across Twitter, it was like, hey, you're probably doing your fantasy football draft right now. Don't take J.K. Dobbins because he ain't playing in 2021. And, and yeah, I don't I don't know that there's blame to be put on the Ravens for having him out there. It, it just is one of those things that's going to happen. Um, at the same time, if guys aren't going to play in the preseason, get rid of the preseason because you're fleecing your fans for – uh, subpar product of a bunch of guys who aren't ever going to play. 
I, I don't know that there's a, a happy medium somewhere that but but it is just super unfortunate that that guy's season is over his second year in a league is you're, you're going to completely miss it because you were trying to make sure everybody's tuned up and ready to go for week one well and the interesting thing is you know multiple ways of approaching the preseason we see it, we saw it within the in the AFC North uh, the Steelers th- did it their way I think Roethlisberger played maybe what one series maybe two series in the entire that, preseason yeah, Joe Burrow plays three snaps Baker Mayfield plays you know, one game for a series or two, I guess two series. Um, and, and then Baltimore did what Baltimore does. Coming out of the preseason, as we look ahead for the next two weeks when the regular season starts, I would guess that Cleveland is very content with their preseason. I would guess Cincinnati feels marginally good about their preseason. Uh, with, I mean, I, I should take that back. I would guess at best they feel marginally good about their preseason. Yeah, I don't know how you can feel great about it I, I i just don't know how you spin it to a you know we, we really accomplished what we wanted to yada 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 well essentially to me and, and there's lots of different things and it's a much broader picture than this i i bullet down to three questions for the Bengals. um what's our answer on jamar chase well he was bad so we don't know right. what's what's our answer for the you know the left tackle spot and the guy we didn't take well the guy we did take it isn't going to start so that's not good and the third one, then maybe the most important one, is did we make it to the week one with Joe Burrow healthy? The answer to that's yes. So there's your marginally good part of Cincinnati's <laughs> you're, you're preseason. You're one of three. The, the other parts are, are question marks at best. And then there's Baltimore. Uh, and, and Baltimore's obviously what I think would fancy themselves as a Super Bowl contender, certainly a favorite to make the playoffs, maybe even a favorite to, to push uh, Kansas City in the AFC most Odds makers have have placed them slightly ahead of Cleveland in chances to make the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. let alone chances to win it. Um, they've got to feel very differently about their team right now. I mean, they I well, mean, a guy rushing for six yards per carry, not being on your, not being available now, it alters things. But at the same time, you have to avoid, I think, relying on Lamar Jackson to to fill that void because then you're going to be in a real bad spot. Well, and there's no question, and, and, and Lamar Jackson, the way he plays, is, is always going to be at risk for injury. Um, you know, there's continues to be the debate as to whether or not the league has quote-unquote figured Lamar right. Jackson out. That's going to be a debate that gets had, and, and I'm, I'm still, I guess the jury for me is still out in one regard, and that is, it, is, is Lamar Jackson able to be the quarterback you need him to be when football transitions from regular season to postseason? I don't know why it's so different. I just know that it is, and I know that Lamar Jackson's struggles have been in the postseason far more than in the regular season. Um, You know, if I have to hear one more person say why these questions about Lamar Jackson, he's an NFL MVP for God's sake, he is, and I've got more question about that than I've got about other things. Not not that did he deserve to be an MVP. I'm not saying he did or didn't. I'm saying. How does an NFL MVP find himself in the position that Lamar Jackson finds himself in? Because there aren't many other people in this sport that do that. There were lots of people in other sports that did it. Barry Bonds was a guy who was a regular season guy, and then the postseason was different. You know, and, and you could could point to basketball guys as well. But in football, especially at that position, there are not a lot of guys. I don't recall. Maybe I'm missing some who were so clearly regular season dominant that we're left with so many questions when it came to postseason performance and and they're going to have to answer those questions um i I don't know how i would say i break down the division in terms of who my favorite is to win it i would say it's either baltimore or cleveland and if the deciding factor for me is who's where does my confidence rest with baker mayfield or with lamar jackson i would say it's a push 
Yeah, I, I think the the confidence for me at least. It, it, do I believe that Kevin Stefanski will do a better job than John Harbaugh? I don't know. I don't. I don't think there's a, a just a line in the sand that's very clear that one is better than the other. I, I would lean more towards Cleveland's roster is I think significantly better than Baltimore's one through fifty three, and whether that's enough to to get you over the hump or not, I don't know. It's it's gonna we're gonna find out, and we're gonna find out over the course of three weeks. Cleveland plays yeah. Baltimore by week. Baltimore, so you're gonna find out. Over the course of not a very long time of these of the season of wh- which team is better and why, I don't know that I have an answer to that question either. I don't know if I feel strongly one way or another that, I, I, to be honest with you, I would almost put my money on Baker Mayfield than Lamar Jackson because I think when push comes to shove, if somebody's going to keep one of them in the pocket and they've got to throw the football, I would believe in Baker to do it better than Lamar Jackson. Well, and I and I honestly, I guess for me, I probably yes, but. My confidence goes toward Baker in that regard because of his weapons. Right, he's the talent around him is significantly yeah. better. I think his weapons are better. Now I could be proven wrong, but I, I'm basing that solely on this. What started today's conversation? Lamar Jackson just right. lost his key weapon uh, as a running game and as a potential pass catcher out of the backfield. He lost a weapon that that Cleveland doesn't have right now. They don't have that concern. They've got all their weapons full complement. They can run it better than most teams in the NFL. They can throw it as well as they need to. And they talked about it last night on the broadcast quite a little bit. This this is new for Baker to be using play action and going bootleg and getting out of the pocket and, and kind of kind of getting on the edge making right. decisions. Uh, I really really like it. I really like it the way it works with their personnel, and I, I would give the edge to Cleveland, um, but it's going to be interesting. And then that that leads me to the last thing I will say is I can't remember the last time that the Pittsburgh Steelers were as where there was as much division on the opinion of what they are. I hear experts talk, and there is a wide range of opinions on what the Steelers are. And I didn't bring that up to get into it in great detail. Right. I just say but, that's why it to me the division comes down to Baltimore and Cleveland. But it feels like there is a pretty wide like it feels like of the divisions in the NFL there is a gigantic gap between the top of the AFC North. The Steelers are I think firmly entrenched in third place, and then there's a pretty wide gap to them to Cincinnati. It, it feels as if that that is it, it's a fight for one and two. There's a big gap to number three and a big gap to number four, which inevitably means the Steelers are going to win the division. <laughs> the the, Brown, the Browns and Ravens are going to go, you know, nine and eight, and we're going to have to figure out who the hell is, wins the wild card by a coin flip in early January or something stupid. It's just that that's just the way it's going to end up shaking out. Well, if your powers of prognostication end up being right about that, I'll be the one guy in this studio that's pretty freaking thrilled about that because I don't see it happening that way. But we can be hopeful. The whole point of that conversation was to say that the preseason has wrapped up for Cleveland. It has wrapped up for Cincinnati. It's wrapped up for the entire NFL. We got a two week layoff now before we get to Week One. And and there will be a lot of NFL discussion between now and then. It's time for a Don Jingus Jeweler timeout. And when we come back, we'll get into some poll results. And we'll get into some water cooler talk right here on Lima Sports Radio, 93 One The Fan. Welcome back into the Basement Doctor Studio. Cookie and the Monster presented by Jerry Lewis McDonald's. You can apply at work at mcd.com or work today and get paid tomorrow at Lewis Family McDonald's. Garrett, this has been a remarkably fast yes. couple of hours. And uh, those polls have been out there since the show started. Let's talk some poll results. Yeah, so the first question we asked, should Ryan Day shave his beard? 64% say no. I, I mean, I don't know who we got to – I think his wife's name's Nina. Nina, we got we to gotta keep Ryan Day's beard. So. 
I don't think it's going to happen. Superstitious guys are superstitious guys. But I'm telling you, if he would listen, I think a goatee is the way to he, go. He'd look pretty good. Uh, we also asked, had you heard of Bishop Sycamore, Bishop Sycamore's football team before yesterday's game on ESPN? 90% said no. Uh, we also, the final two poll questions were, should fans boo their favorite teams and players? 65% say yeah. And our final poll question was, should players be reprimanded for showing their displeasure with fans? 56% say no. I'm I'm a little surprised by that. I thought fans would be like, "Yeah, you you're not allowed to you don't have to give us yeah. thumbs down after you get a double." You know what I find interesting? I don't know why stuff like this is interesting to me, but it was almost the same number of people who voted in the Bishop Sycamore poll question as voted in the other two combined. That's kind of strange. Uh, yeah, uh, strange. Bishop Sycamore now is trending on Twitter. ESPN and Bishop Sycamore are trending on Twitter. So. I, I would, I, based on the conversation I heard today, I would have assumed that they would be. I guess I heard there was all kinds of response on Twitter to the game broadcast uh, yesterday. I, I didn't look at Twitter at all yesterday, but um, if you if you got something you want to do tonight, that'll get us into our cooler conversation. I would say a topic of conversation around a lot of. Uh, water coolers at businesses today may have been about what in the hell is Bishop Sycamore and why did they get to play football on television? Yeah, I imagine the uh, the the Google searches for Bishop Sycamore have gone up exponentially since yesterday. Uh, their website uh, is not great. <laughs> they they're not real good at that. Uh, they need to get better. Probably on purpose uh, because it doesn't exist. It's a fake high school. So tomorrow we're going to work on fake high school names that uh, sound important and impressive. And take, take this to the water cooler tomorrow and see how many people you impress. The Baltimore Ravens have won 20 preseason yeah. football games in a row. 20 preseason football games On purpose? In a row. On purpose. I, uh, there's, I, I, every preseason there's, like, there's one game where somebody could like kick an extra point to tie the game with like 14 seconds left, and the coach is like, no, we're gonna go for two. Like we are not, we are not going to overtime in the preseason. And yet, somehow, some way, the Baltimore Ravens have not had that issue. They just keep on winning in the preseason. It's ridiculous. That is five plus seasons without losing oh. a preseason football game. Now, I don't know that that has any significance whatsoever. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I, I just can't understand how that's possible. Now, would the Baltimore Ravens trade four or five or 19 of those 20 wins to have a healthy J.K. Dobbins tomorrow morning? Probably, probably so. Probably. I, and I don't, I don't... Do you go into a preseason game with like, hey, we've won 19 of these in a row, guys. we got to keep the streak alive. I, I, I don't know how many dudes go into the preseason with the objective of like, damn it, at all costs, we have to win. Like, do you just stumble upon 20 straight wins? I, I would be willing to bet that until it was broadcast during the game or put on SportsCenter or on ESPN, I would be willing to bet that not a single member of the Baltimore Ravens staff oh, was aware absolutely. that they had won 20 consecutive preseason football games. Again, as I said, it's just mind-boggling to me that that's even possible. And somehow, some way, they did it. They they did it, and uh, they'll look at look to continue that right, streak. Still right next it's year. It's not going to end until twenty twenty two, baby. Exciting, exciting stuff. So we want to say thanks to Mark Ray, uh, the managing editor emeritus of the Buckeye Sports Bulletin, for joining us on today's program. And uh, it's it's just unbelievably quick two hours. NFL preseason's over. We got Ohio State football coming up on Thursday night on Fox. This week is going to be out of this world. We appreciate you joining us uh, as you can each and every weekday from 4 to 6. It's Cookie and the Monster. I'm John Cook and he is Garrett Seawright and this is Lima's Sports Radio 93.1 The Fan.